Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Title for today is Food Fight. Food Fight. Matthew 15, 7 to 14. And you'll see why we're in Matthew in a minute. It's, we're actually still in the book of Mark, but we're a little connected. But to start things off, uh, Nate, my son Nate just got back from the DR, and he wants to give us a little update on what's going on there and how God's working in his life through that trip. I just want to share a little bit about my uh, life before I went to the DR and uh, the decisions I made uh, earlier this summer. And uh, if I get a little emotional, it's probably because... Uh, Chuck Wilson's my dad, and he cries like every other service, so uh, I probably will, but uh, yeah, so um, basically as the summer began, I, was, uh, I wasn't making the best decisions, uh, my faith was a little bit weak, uh, um, I just, uh, I was living for the world, I was living for the people in it, I um, I was, my, my relationship with God was slowly fading, and uh, it, was, uh, it was like a rough time for me, but uh, I was, I don't know, I just, I was like living for the world. I was like buying into the lies they tell you. Like through music, I was, uh, you know, like just the lyrics you hear are just so messed up sometimes, and that's why, uh, I don't know, I just slowly started like uh, fading away from God. My decisions were, uh, they, weren't, they weren't my best ones I've ever made, that's for sure. But uh, I, I just believe the lies that the world tells you, the people tell you, they just, you just constantly get pounded. The devil constantly pounds your weaknesses until you give in. And that's why we have to turn our weaknesses into strength, because we just, I don't know, the weaknesses where the devil just keeps on pounding you and pounding you until you give in, and it's... It's so hard to fight, but you just gotta, you gotta push through, even when you're done, even when you have nothing left in you, you gotta keep on pushing, you gotta keep on fighting, because it's not over yet. The fight's just started, and we gotta keep on fighting. It's not over yet. This fight has just started, and we have to, we have to fight. We have to, we have to battle, so our heavenly rewards are just amazing. And uh, I remember just, I was just living in sin for so long, like, a good month just and I I just couldn't get out and finally God said enough and uh, I'm just glad he did because I just made one huge mistake and God just pulled me right out he uh, he just he saved me from where I was heading and uh, headed and Jesus just uh, he just grabbed me right out he disciplined me like a good father does in Hebrews 12 7 says, like a good father, God he is, and uh, he disciplines his children because he loves them. And even when I was off doing my own thing in the world, God still loved me, he cared for me, he was watching out for me, and he saved me. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. And uh, I remember just the countless nights where I was up at two or three in the morning just thinking, what have I become? I believe the lies I've I've given in the sin, and I'm just like, I just thought, well, Nate, you're, you think this is the world's good life, and it's not for you. you know, God's got a lot better things for you, and you've just, you've tossed, you've tossed it away. And I'm just glad he brought me back, because 
I just wanted to share this all with you because I've just been, uh, I've been struggling, but uh, I'm slowly recovering, and it's, it's, I'm doing really well. Uh, you know how God, like, puts a perfect, it's like perfect timing, like, when I was struggling, I got to go to the DR, thankfully, and uh, I had a chance to reconnect with him. I was in the Word, like, an hour a day, because there's, like, downtime, and that's what me and Dave would do. You know, Dave asked me how I was doing. I just said, uh, slowly recovering. So, uh, you know, we were in the Word every day, and uh, they were always there to help me out when I was struggling, and uh, they were praying for me, and that was that was very good. And uh, Dave and Megan are doing really well in the DR, too. Uh, Dave's doing the baseball site, uh, teaching kids how to play baseball and also about the Word of God. And Megan's uh, tutoring. Uh, and homeschooling and teaching out of school Dulos. And uh, she homeschools Marcy, which is pretty tough. That's like three hours a day, so if you pray for her, that'd be great. Uh, but yeah, that's just really what I wanted to share, you know, just uh, don't, you don't, you don't have to believe the world's lies. You don't have to give in to that. You don't have to give in to the devil. Don't, don't fall into your weaknesses. Don't give in to temptation because temptation leads to sin, which eventually leads to death. And you just, you don't need to go through that. You don't need to go through the stuff I did just to learn this simple lesson. Um, I just, uh, I'm just, I'm not living for the people anymore. I'm not living for the world. I live for Jesus Christ. I live for him. Everything I do is for Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, just thank you for listening. I just just give all the glory to God. Everything He does, it's just for Him. Thank you. Thanks for sharing, Nate. God's doing a lot of work in a lot of different age groups, right? God's working, and uh, if anybody wants to see pictures, He has lots of pictures on the phone, but we didn't quite get them trans to the computer with Dave and Megan's ministry, so if you want to see those after. Uh, okay, so the, I think that it was a good intro to what we're going to be talking about today, too. Real good intro. The title for today is Food Fight, Food Fight, Matthew 15, 7 to 14. And the reason we're in this is because I, we're actually in Mark 7, as you know, and we're hitting the section about you aren't what you eat. That was what we're going to do. But I did the parallel passage starting off with Matthew, the parallel passage, and I couldn't get out of it. So that's going to be next week. Uh, be ready for next week. You aren't what you eat, Matthew, Mark chapter 7. But today we're not going to get out of the parallel passage because there's too much good stuff in just this part. But as far as a food fight, I don't know if you've ever been involved in a food fight. I was thinking about food fights. Uh, we've all seen them on TV, and some of you have done them, and it's not as much fun as it looks because you get punished. <laughs> so, but uh, if you want to see a real food fight, I was thinking about it, you have to live on a farm because that's where the real food fights happen. The whole day revolves around a food fight. The dogs go out in the morning, and they catch a woodchuck, and they fight over the woodchuck. You know, they are five dogs trying to get a piece of that woodchuck. Uh, cats, you put the milk in the bowl, and we used to have about 25 cats, and they would all pound onto this milk bowl and fight over it, and little kittens would actually jump into the, the big dish, be in the middle of it trying to get there. That's, those are food fights, all right? Cows, oh my goodness, you put the feed there, and they just go start hammering each other. Pigs were the worst. Oh, man, did they call them pigs for a reason. You know, the poor little pigs would be in the bottom getting trampled on, but the bigger ones are all fighting for whatever they can get a hold of. You know, so you got to see the food fight. Or you could come to my, our house, 
Uh, dinner's not bad. Kim's got it all worked out. But I do snacks. Like we will, we'll do snacks at night while we're watching a video or a movie. And and whenever I finish up with candy, that's where the food fight happens. You know, they're all sitting around a blanket watching something, and and I'll pour M&Ms into a bowl, and you would think, oh man, a bunch of zombies, right? Why are they attacking these? I'm like, guys, stop. Four a piece, four M&Ms a piece. You know, they're going nuts, right? Taste them, taste them. Well, Jesus is in the middle of a food fight with the Pharisees here. And we, uh, we have seen that Jesus, if you haven't been here for the series, this is like the fifth part of this one, so get the CDs or go on the podcast. But the Pharisees attacked Jesus and the disciples for not following the ceremonial hand washing. Remember we talked about that, the, the washing traditions that they came up with? And then we saw that Jesus went on the counterattack. And when I say attack, he went on an attack. And he says God's word is more important than any traditions or any religion or any man-made rules. God's word is the key. That's more important than anything else. And he also stressed how it's not the externals, but the internals that are important. What's in the heart, and that's what you heard the testimony a few minutes ago, what Nate was sharing, it's what's in our heart. It's now, we can act like we're following, you know, going along, doing, jumping through, you know, the hoops and, and putting on the show, and, but it's what's going on in our heart that God knows what's going on in the heart. That's the key. And Jesus stresses that. Now, I want to jump over here to Matthew 15 and then come back to Mark 7 next week where he brings out how intense this counterattack that Jesus makes in the Pharisees really was. It was intense. And this is a little bit of an intense sermon. So if, you're, if this is too intense, come back next week. We'll do the nicer part. But, but it's pretty intense what Jesus says to the Pharisees here. Let me pray first. Father, we just thank you for the worship today. We thank you for the reminder to each of us how much we need your mercy and grace in this spiritual battle that we're in. And just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us. Every one of us is coming from a different place, on a different spiritual journey, but it's a journey of faith for every one of us. And pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us now. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read the passage first of all. Matthew 15. Verses 7 to 14, and we'll start here with Jesus. Remember, some of this is review. He's, Jesus says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are about rules taught by men. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand, what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended by when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Now, is this really the Jesus we learned about in Sunday school? That's what I want to say. He's a little scarier than I remember, right? Although when, maybe when Mr. McBride was teaching, he brought up the scarier stories. Of the but, but, but think about you know, the Jesus we learned about in Sunday school. He's a little scarier. And a lot of people don't like this Jesus. Uh, so this, the, the real Jesus in the Bible. So they've invented a new Jesus. They've invented a new Jesus. But the Jesus that the apostate churches and the apostate Christians have invented, the new improved Jesus, is unknown in God's word. 
That's a Jesus that, that is unknown in God's word. You know the one I'm talking about, the one they've invented. He's a friend to everyone. He's a friend to everyone. He picks up and holds children, which, which he did, and he still does. He carries us, right? right? But that's not all he does, all right? He does carry children, loves children. We got that. But that's not all he does. But they, that's all he does in this, this, this new invented Jesus. He picks up children. He pets animals. Bring your animals. We'll bless them. You know, pets animals. He's nice to everyone. Everyone is welcome. You've all seen the signs, right? Everyone's welcome except the real Jesus, <laughs> right? In those churches, the real Jesus isn't welcome. Uh, we can live any way we want. We can do anything, think anything, as long as we don't hurt anyone. As long as we're not hurting anyone, excluding unborn babies. <laughs> they get left out of that equation in these churches. It's, it's kind of like Build-A-Bear. You've ever had your kids go to the birthday parties or they go to the mall and there's that Build-A-Bear. You get the Build-A-Bear. And the thing about Build-A-Bear, the reason kids like it is they can make it anything they want. They can put any outfit on it and make it any sport team, anything. They make their own bear and they love that bear because it's their bear and it's, it's the way they want to build it. Well, that's nice with bears, but not with Jesus, because you're not allowed to build a Jesus, but this is what they've done. They built a Jesus. Everybody builds their own Jesus, you know, and God is love. God is love. He would never send anybody to hell. God is love. That's the American mantra, right? Matthew 23, we'll go on a little further when Jesus talks to the, the Pharisees a little bit more. In Matthew 23, listen to what he says to the Pharisees when he really loses his temper. He says, Matthew 23, you snakes. You brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? That's not build a Jesus, is it? That's the real Jesus. Yes, God does love us. We talk about that every week. God loves us. He loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for us. John 3.16. If we don't have it memorized, if you don't have it memorized, well, come on, come on, come on. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves us so much that he gave his only son to die on a cross, to be executed in our place, to take our punishment on himself so that we could have a relationship with God, so that we could be forgiven. He paid for our crimes so that we could be forgiven and spend eternity in heaven with his Father. That, that's how much God loves us. But if we reject that love, and this is the part they leave out in the these new improved churches, this new improved Christianity with the new, new improved Jesus, the part they live out, leave out is a few verses later in verse 36. John 3, 36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. We can reject God's love. And if we reject Jesus Christ and we don't put our faith in him and turn to him for forgiveness and put our faith in him and give our life to him and our trust in him. If we don't do that, we've rejected Jesus Christ. We've rejected God's love and there's no love anymore. There's no love. It's wrath at that point. We must all believe in Jesus, putting our faith in him, our trust in him. We have to act on God's love and we act by putting our faith in that love. And if we really do that, and this is key and this is great with what Nate had shared with his testimony. If we really do that, there's a love test. A lot of these people claim, oh, God is love, and, uh, and I love God, and God loves me. I know he does. Well, here's a test for every one of us. John 14, 15. We just saw John 3, 36. You go up a, few, a little bit further. John 14, 15 is a test. 
If you love me, you will obey what I command. God's word tells us how God wants us to live. And that's the test. If you love me, you will obey what I command. That's the test for our life. We can say how much we love God and how much God is loved. But the test is, are we living out what he commands? And the first command is to put our faith in Jesus. The second one is to live the way he has put in his word. This is his blueprint for our life. This is the way that we can find fulfillment and purpose by living the way he's created us to live. This is it. God does love us. Jesus loves us. He loves us enough to die for us so that we can have this life. And that's why Jesus got so upset. And this is critical. That's why he got so upset in Matthew 15 and all in Matthew 23 with the Pharisees. Why? Because they taught, what they taught affected the gospel. It affected the salvation message. That's when Jesus freaked out. They were, what they were teaching was affecting eternal life for many, many people. They were teaching that if you just followed their religious rules, and most of them were the ones they made up, if you just follow these religious rules, everything was okay. Because God loves you and someday you're going to spend it, you're going to be in heaven with God because you're following the religious rules of the Pharisees. And that was a lie. And that's what freaked Jesus out because he knew there's only one way to God, through him, through his death. That's the only way to by receiving Jesus and, and believing in Jesus. And then he freaked out over it. And, and this is what exactly, what the Pharisees were teaching is, is exactly what many churches and pastors teach today. A lot of you grew up in these churches or have recently visited these churches. I hear the stories all the time. They're teaching the same garbage. And it makes me mad. And if you've ever talked to me, you know what I'm talking about, how mad I get. This is what really, you know, if somebody says, oh, they're going to do infant baptism, they don't do adult baptism, I don't freak out about that. I believe in adult baptism. We had an awesome baptism. But that's not the end of That, to me, is not something to fight about or get really mad about. They say, well, they do this. There's a lot of non-super essentials. But the one thing that freaks me out is salvation. When they mess with salvation, that's when I freak out. And I call them hell's evangelists. They're hell's evangelists. They're reaching people for hell. And even Bible-believing pastors are often afraid to preach the truth, and they function in this way. They're afraid to teach the truth and preach the truth. And as a result, they're creating people that are, are they Christian or are they not? Are they, are they really disciples of Jesus Christ? Here's a study. It's a headline study here. It says, study reveals most American pastors are silent on current issues despite biblical beliefs. This is going to scare you. Most pastors believe the Bible addresses the current issues of the day, but few speak about them from the pulpit. George Barnum, many of you know George Barnum, one of the great Christian researchers in the country for many, many years. He says in his recent study, he has pastors across the country about their beliefs regarding the relevancy of scripture to societal, moral, and political issues and the content of their sermons in light of those beliefs. We're, what we're finding is that when we ask them about all the key issues of the day, 90% of them, 90% of pastors are telling us, yes, the Bible speaks to every one of these issues. Then we ask them, well, are you teaching your people what the Bible says about those issues? 
And the number drops to less than 10% of pastors who say they will speak to it. You getting that? 90% think the Bible teaches it, but only 10% will preach on it. Barna's group also, no, this is really scary. Barna's group also polled pastors about what factors they use to gauge whether or not a church is successful. What makes a successful church? <laughs> Whew, it's not really funny. There are five factors that the vast majority of pastors turn to, he outlined. Attendance, giving, number of programs, number of staff, and square footage. That's it. That's success in ministry. What I'm suggesting is those pastors, this is Barna talking, won't probably get involved in politics because it's very controversial. Controversy keeps people from being in the seats. Controversy keeps people from giving money, from attending programs, Barna said. Pastor Chuck Baldwin, a radio broadcaster, wrote an article commenting on this study. He, and the title of the article is, Odds Are That Your Pastor Is Keeping the Truth From You Instead of Preaching It. His opinion was that Barna's research shows that most pastors deliberately choose not to speak on the issues of the day despite knowing that the Bible speaks to them. That 90% of American pastors are not addressing any of the important issues affecting Christian people's political, societal lives should surprise no one, he wrote. It has been decades since even a sizable minority of pastors have bothered to educate and inform the congregations as to the biblical principles relating to America's political, cultural, society lives, societal lives. Please understand this. America's sickness is directly due to the deliberate disobedience of American pastors and the willingness of Christians in the pews to tolerate the disobedience of their pastors. Nothing more, nothing less. When Paul wrote his own epithet that said, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. 2 Timothy 4.7. He didn't say, I had a large congregation, we had big offerings, we had lots of programs, a large staff, and we had large facilities. That's a powerful point, isn't it? It's time for Christians to acknowledge that these ministers are not pastors, they are CEOs. Christians should, should start encouraging their pastors, blah, blah, blah. All right. Woo! Now, the result of this, and this is why it's so dangerous, the result is the church in the USA has become the church of Laodicea. The church of Laodicea. If, if you remember, we studied Revelations. We went through the different churches. And the church in Laodicea, Revelation 3, verse 14, says, to the, church, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I think that describes the church in the USA today, don't you? Spit Christians. Repulsive saliva. That's what we've become in, in America. In, in a great picture, I came across a great picture this week. Uh... We've talked about Joel Olstein before, and I don't always name people, although I'm not afraid to. 
And uh, we, I talked about how he's on Larry King, and Larry King said, what do you think about sin? And I don't like to talk about sin, you know. And then he said, well, is Jesus the only way? Well, I don't like to go into those theological discussions. I just like to talk about love, you know. And we've talked about all that stuff. And uh, now his wife has come out with something about worship. And I'm going to let her, I'm going to let you see it for yourself because you have to see it. I, I can't do, the, do it justice. So uh, maybe we could just show this little clip. When we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves. Because God takes pleasure when we're happy. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy this morning. So I want you to know this morning, just do good for your own self. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself. Because that's what makes God happy, amen. Let's open our heart to him today. Father. That's why I wanted you to see it for yourself. Now, did you see that big stadium? They have a basketball stadium. It was once for one of the basketball teams. Huge. Do you see all those excited people in that big stadium? Now, I'm not against the church having a big stadium. I, if they were preaching the word of God and the gospel, I would hope they have a football stadium full. I'd be thrilled. But, but what they're hearing, you can see, is not the true gospel or the true word. And I'm pretty sure if they were teaching the gospel and the word, they wouldn't have a basketball stadium and millions of people and millions of dollars, right? It'd be a lot smaller venue if they were really teaching the word in this culture today. And a couple comments from... Um, uh, an article in here it was in Christian News Network. If, you, if you're looking for good news, because most news we get is not great, right? It's pretty messed up. It's called the Christian News Network. You can, it gets emailed to me every day, and it's, it's a great perspective. It gives the news what's really happening, but also gives the spiritual perspective to much of that news. And uh, in this, I was reading about Steve Camp. Remember, a lot of you remember he was a singer, songwriter. He's now a pastor. And listen to what he says. He says, it's the about this clip. He said, it's the age-old sin of idolatry. That it's not about God, it's about us. True worship for the humanist is about how we feel at the end of the day and what gives us meaning as opposed to what give, gives God glory. When we come to see men happy rather than God glorified, it's not worship, it's idolatry. She honestly believes that God exists to make us happy rather than holy, Camp lamented. She honestly believes that worship is about our fulfillment rather than his glory. Matthew 16, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. The Osteens have inverted that. They think it's not the denial of self, but the exaltation of self. They're not trying to pursue a cross. They're trying to pursue prosperity. And they're certainly not following the biblical Jesus. They're following whatever brings them happiness and contentment. It's a me-centered church, more concerned with being liked than being truthful. Therefore, it will not do anything to offend a culture. Camp, who has spoken with Joel Osteen in the past and has urged him to speak boldly about Christ instead of worrying about public opinion, said that if he were to encourage Victoria, whom he noted should not be serving as co-pastor in the first place, he would call upon her to repent. Repent of this self-orientated, feel-good gospel you've embraced. 
The chief concern in this life is not us. The chief concern is that we bring glory to God and we further his gospel and that we testify of his grace. We are here to do his bidding. And I'll, I'll say this, if we do that, we may not be happy, but you know what we'll have? Joy. Biblical joy. And purpose. And, and peace. And fulfillment that's way deeper than, the, deeper than the stuff she's talking about. The fake stuff she's talking about. That is a picture of the USA, the church in the USA today. That's a big, big church. That's a picture of the church in the U.S. today, and we had better wake up. Because if you just read the news, you can see what's coming. It's obvious what's coming. Persecution is now massive. It's worldwide. But you know what? It's been going on for a long time. The media is finally getting, figuring out that there's persecution going on. But it's been going on for a long time. I remember when we started the church, I used to talk about it. It's coming. It's going to increase. The birth pains are increasing. And we're seeing that happen. It's increasing in intensity. And the anti-Semitism, look what is happening. The anti-Semitism, even supposedly evangelical ch church denominations are turning on the nation of Israel. You know, saying we shouldn't buy anything from Israel. and It's supposedly de evangelical denominations taking public stance against the nation of Israel. I'm going to send you a, an email. If you don't have an email, I'm going to send you some perspectives on email. You'll be, you'll be shocked at what, what you see. But the anti-Semitism is unbelievable. Now, we spent three years in Daniel Revelation. Any, how many were here for the Daniel Revelation? Some of you were here. And, and we spent three years in Daniel Revelation and... And we're starting to see the fruit of that study. Remember the blessing that was promised in, in Revelation for studying that? We're starting to see the blessing because so many here are prepared as we get closer to the end times, the second coming of Christ, the intensity, the, the tribulations, all the things that are going to be happening as we're getting ready. I have seen so many people here prepared having mature perspectives. Not what I don't think Victoria Osteen's people are going to be ready for it. Because they're not going to be happy. Unless they take the mark. They're going to be happy for seven years. But you, many of you, are prepared. And I'm seeing a mature perspective. It's important because it's close. Closer and closer all the time. We can see the birth pains that Matthew 24 talked about. Getting closer and closer together. The Middle East and the radical Muslims. What's going on there? Listen, first of all, everybody's shocked at what's going on. That has been going on since Muhammad started the Muslim religion. Every country in the Middle East was once Christian. Did you know that? They killed them all. They took them by the sword. That is their theology. That's in the Quran. It's not just radicalized. It's anybody who truly follows it, that's what they're going to do. They're going to kill everybody who doesn't submit. They're going to enslave them, tax them, or kill them. Those are your options. What you're seeing on TV going on all over the place right now, that is the reality of the Muslim religion. Not every person who is under the Muslim religion is like that. The majority of them are not radicalized. The majority of them don't really even believe in the whole thing. The majority of them are looking for something different from a different God. That's a fact. They are very open to a God who loves them. That's why many are coming to Christ. But this has been going on for, for, for so long. And, and it, was, it was severe 
long before a reporter was beheaded. Did you notice there was much said about all these Christians being crucified and beheaded? A reporter gets beheaded and now, oh, look how bad these Muslims are. Well, guess what? They've been doing this to Christians for forever, but even lately, it's been severe, intense persecution. Finally, they're figuring it out because the reporter got his head cut off, which I was very sad to see. It was sad. It's tragic. But this is what's going on. There will be worldwide persecution. Worldwide persecution. And it won't just be the Muslims doing the persecuting. There's going to be the apostate Christians are going to head this up. Study church history. Most Christian martyrs have been killed by supposed Christians. Apostate Christians have killed the vast majority of them. Do the history. Study it. And there's going to be a one world church. The Muslims, the apostate Christians, everybody's going to form a one world church. And they're going to join with a one world government to ex try to exterminate true Christians. There will be a worldwide persecution and millions will be killed even right here in the United States. And no matter what you believe about the rapture pre-mid-trib, doesn't matter. Even if you believe in a pre-trib rapture, uh, and I'm not telling you what to believe. We all have all different views here. I always say pray for pre, prepare for post, right? Uh, be, 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 pray, hope for one, but be prepared for the other. And even if you believe it, there's still going to be intense persecution, even if... Even if there is a pre-tribulation rapture. There's going to be intense persecution. Millions are going to be killed even here in the United States. Matthew 24, when Jesus is talking about, uh, we're back to Matthew again. Matthew 24, verse 9, when Jesus is talking about the end times and the birth pains. What do birth pains do? Get closer together and more intense. And he's talking about what happens with the persecution. Look what he says, verse 9. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. All nations. There will be no sanctuary here in the United States. Every nation is going to experience this intense persecution. And not only will they do that, but they're going to attempt to wipe out the Jewish people, God's chosen people, through the false, through the false Messiah, the Antichrist. They're going to attempt to wipe out God's chosen people. The majority, you read the Re Daniel Revelation, the majority of Jewish people in the world will be killed. It's going to make the Holocaust look like a Sunday school picnic. It, the, the majority are going to be killed. A remnant will be left when Jesus Christ, the true Messiah, returns to save them. The true Messiah is going to come and save the remnant of the Jewish people. Now, I'm going to encourage you something. Read the book of Revelation next to the news. Have the news on your iPhone and, and have the book of Revelation and read them together. If you read them together, you are going to see these things coming to pass. You, you're going to see today's news in the book of Revelation. It's unbelievable. It's there. And, if, and I would encourage you this. I spent three years, Daniel Revelation. It was, it was hard to preach through. And some people didn't like it, and some people left. And now that I see the ones who left, I know why they left. They're trying to be happy somewhere. But those who stuck with it and stuck through Revelation... have seen the fruit in your life, the maturity in your life. It's not an easy book to study, but there's a blessing promised, and it's powerful. And I want to encourage you, if, as you're reading through Revelation, if you have a question about something, say, what does that mean? 
get the CD. We got the whole set, the whole CD on, on uh, the whole sermon series on CD. Go to Katie and say, can I have Revelation 4 verses 1 to 5? And, and she'll give it to you. She'll make you a copy. And, and, and keep doing that. Keep, as you study Revelation and, and the, the world news, keep getting the studies and keep seeing, going deeper and deeper with it. And maybe you want to get the whole thing. We'll make you a whole copy. I, I haven't put it on podcast. I'm a little afraid to do that. I'll probably be arrested or something. But anyway, uh, you know, I'll be the first on the list of the persecution, right, when they, when they start this. But, but you can get the whole series, but it's important to be ready. It's important to, to really know Jesus Christ and really know his plan for this world and really know his plan for our life. And it's not this fluffy, fake USA church thing, but it, it's a lot deeper it's awesome. It's not easy, but it's awesome. How is God speaking to us today? Are you prepared? Are you prepared? I talk a lot about emergency preparation. We've had hurricanes and blizzards and lost power for you know, a week, two weeks in New Jersey. You know what I'm talking about? I've encouraged, you know, hey, this is a good time to prepare for emergencies. And I put out an email this week about, you know, the different foods and the waters and different things you can do that Gunner had, had given me. And if you have questions about how to prepare, see Gunner. Wave your hand, Gunner. Here, Chris, wave your hand. See Chris. And she will, she's sitting next to Gunner. So, uh, but, but see them because it's important to be prepared. You know why? As we get closer, we want to be able to take care of our families, but also Noah. We want to be able to minister to people. We want to be able to help our neighbors who are, who are in need. That's going to be a powerful testimony. Be prepared. To do, I'm not saying you have to, you know, go radical like the preppers, the TV preppers, you know, some of those crazy shows. But, hey, we should be prepared. And it doesn't take much. Get a bucket. I, I t- what I do, I get a bucket a month, a bucket of food or water filters or something. I do something every month, a little something. It adds up. It makes a difference. But... That's just one small part of preparation. The real preparing for the book of Revelation, for Daniel Revelation, is spiritual preparation. Are we preparing spiritually? Do we have the word of God side by side with the news? And are we preparing ourselves? Are we growing? Do we have a real understanding of what God is doing and what he wants to do in our life? And maybe you're here today and you can't prepare because you're not ready. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never acted on God's love. And that is the first step to being prepared for today and for eternity. And for the book of Revelation is is putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Acting on God's love. That's the first step. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Acting on that love. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? Are you ready to face God? Maybe here today you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never acted on God's love, but you understand it now. Will you surrender your life and put your faith in Jesus Christ? It takes a prayer of faith. Right where you're sitting, you can say, God, I 
don't want this sin anymore. I repent of the sin. I turn away from my old life, the life that goes against your word. I repent of that life. I ask you to forgive me. For everything wrong I've ever done or ever will do, I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in your son, Jesus Christ. My trust in him, my hope in him, my faith in him. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose again from the dead for me. He took my punishment. I'm putting my faith in him. And I'm going to follow him. As, you, as he said, if you love me, you obey what I command. I'm going to follow him. I've asked for forgiveness. I put my faith in him. I'm going to follow him. I give my life to you, God. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, you have just received the gift of God's love. The gift of his life that starts right now. The second you prayed it, it starts now. Life starts now. His life in you starts now. And it goes throughout all eternity when you spend, when you have eternal life with him. And you're ready to start the battle. You won't be deceived with the world as we come to this end times. You won't be deceived because you're going you're gonna to be able to see his Holy Spirit is living in you. And I want to encourage you to tell someone that you've prayed this prayer and made this commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe you have a friend, family member, you want to tell me, fill out the card, text, call, whatever. Let somebody know so that we can be excited and encourage you in your new faith, your new life in Jesus. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us during this time of prayer? Are we prepared? What do we need to surrender? What steps of faith do we need to take to prepare? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to me right now? I just want to leave a few minutes of quiet prayer of reflection, and then we'll just close up with worship once the time of prayer ends. Father, we pray your Holy Spirit would speak to us, each person, each one of us here, about how we need to be prepared in Jesus' name.